escapes have you tried? Oh, four over, seven under. Tunnel man, huh? Sure, I'm not. You're listening to Oh Brother, When Art Thou? And now here's your host, Neil White. Welcome to Oh Brother, When Art Thou? I'm Neil White, joined as always by my brother David. And David, today we have a very special episode. I'm so excited for it, Neil. I'm also very excited about this, and I don't really want to give away too much here in the intro. So why don't we just get straight to the question that I always ask on this podcast. Oh, brother, when art thou? Neil, it's 75 years ago today, late at night on March 24th, 1944. Outside a Luftwaffe prisoner of war camp near Sagan, Germany, a tired guard keeps watch over the long zone of cleared ground around the camp, staring blearily towards the forest. Unbeknownst to him, only meters below his feet, a group of captured Allied pilots are crawling their way through an elaborate but cramped tunnel towards the forest and freedom. David, this is already tense. I'm already, like nervous now some people might recognize this story it's a pretty famous story but i think it's also interesting and worth telling and it happened 75 years ago today if you're listening to this podcast the day we post it if you're a little bit behind that's okay still pretty timely and interesting so david tell us a little bit about these airmen and how do they come to be in a german prisoner of war camp well this is the second world war And the Allies, the Western Allies, and Britain especially, pretty much from 1940, when the Battle of France ends and the Germans seize control of the European continent, the Allies want to strike back. They want to strike at the German forces, but their ground forces are neither strong enough nor skilled enough at crossing bodies of water at amphibious landings to lead an offensive. So instead, the Allies choose to lead an offensive from the air, sending bombers to target German cities and German production centers in order to strike back, in order to have an effect on the war that as much as they can. And as this offensive continues... Slowly, individually, various planes are shot down, some of them fighters escorting the bombers, some of them the bombers themselves getting caught by enemy fighters, by enemy anti-aircraft guns. They come from all across the world. There's Norwegians, there's Danes, there's Dutchmen, there's Englishmen, Canadians, Americans, any nationality you can think of practically are flying these planes and sometimes tragically being shot down and if they survive that experience they're ending up in prisoners of war camps just like the one we're talking about today Stalag Luft 3. Okay so tell us a little bit about Stalag Luft 3. In many ways Stalag Luft 3 is a typical Luftwaffe prisoner of war camp. It's specifically built by the German Air Force to hold Allied prisoners of war from the Allied Air Forces, not from their armies or navies, so that they can be 
interrogated by people who know that sphere of operations, of aerial operations. Right, so they want Air Force guys interrogating Air Force guys. Exactly. Makes sense. But Stalag Luft III has a reputation, sort of a twofold reputation. It's a very difficult camp to escape from. The Germans have repeatedly increased their security measures around this camp. And the reason why is because it is an incredibly escape attempt prone camp. There have been an enormous number of attempts by the men trapped in this camp to escape. So these guys are like always trying to get out of there. There have been by March 24th, 1944, the day we're talking about, 98 tunnels dug and either successfully used by the airmen or discovered by the guards in the camp Stalag Luft. So digging, tunneling out, that's really their primary way of trying to escape these prisons? It's the primary way. It's certainly not the only way. Only a few weeks before this attempt is going down, there's actually been a deliberate related attempt to sneak some guys through the front gate in disguise, some of them disguised as German soldiers pretending to be prison guards, escorting a group of prisoners who are pretending to be prisoners. It failed. They actually knew it would. It was all a big distraction to convince the German guards that no tunnels were being built anymore. (laughs) That's tricky. So they planned a fake non-tunnel attempt to convince them that they were done with tunneling. Exactly. But in general, there are non-tunnel escape attempts, but given the high level of security around this camp, there's a very low odds of success for anything that doesn't get you outside the security perimeter. And that draws the prisoner's attention naturally to the prospect of tunneling. So how big of an endeavor is this, David, for them to try and get out to dig a tunnel? Like This is not an easy way of escaping from prison. Well, one of the big problems that these prisoners face is that there's already been a small-ish scale but successful tunneling attempt that allowed a few prisoners to escape outside the boundaries of the camp earlier in 1943. And in a response to that, the Germans dramatically widened the flat area, the cleared zone around the camp, because when there were trees growing up close to the uh, to the barbed wire, the distance you would have to tunnel was quite short, and you know, it's still an impressive feat to create any kind of a tunnel at all, but if you're only going a few tens of meters, it's not all that impressive. But now, with a very wide cleared zone, of a few hundreds of meters, these are industrial tunnels, essentially. They require an amazing amount of knowledge and skill. You can't just dig sort of a cave in the dirt and hope that you're going to make it. Yeah, it's true. Like, I guess if there's just, you just need one small short tunnel for one guy, that can kind of be done. But to build a big tunnel, that's something else. It's kind of ironic that these are all airmen, David, and they're being forced to go 
the opposite direction underground. So what is the planning like to build this tunnel? How do they do this? The planning is exceptional. To start with, Staleg Luft 3 has the advantage of a long-established escape committee, a group of British officers from the Royal Air Force who are imprisoned in the camp, who've been working on helping to organize escapes, helping to ensure that no prisoners talk to the German guards about escape attempts, and helping to make sure that there's coordination between differing escape attempts. But this is by far the biggest organized escape that they've tried. <laughs> so I guess some workplaces have like a party planning committee these guys have an escape committee. They have an escape committee. And so what is the plan that they come up with here, David? So squadron leader Roger Bushnell, the head of the escape committee, known to the other prisoners, some of whom do not know his true identity, by the pseudonym Big X, draws up a plan. This is in 1943, a full year before they're actually going to be finished. He wants to dig three tunnels. He wants to get at least 100 men through those tunnels because he knows that likely a large number of the men who get through in any escape attempt are going to be recaptured. But he wants to beat those odds with volume. He wants to get enough men outside the camp that the Germans won't be able to round them all up before they can reach Switzerland a neutral country where they'll be free. Three tunnels, and these have to be long tunnels. How are they going to do this, David? Well, Roger Bushnell has an asset, a man by the name of Wally Floody. Wally Floody. It's kind of a funny name. It is. Now, Wally Floody is a Canadian, and before the war, before he became a pilot, he used to work up in Timmins, which is a mining town in northern Ontario, at one of the mines there, so he knows what you need to know about constructing tunnels in all kinds of terrain and conditions. Yeah, if you want to learn about tunneling, I guess Timmins is the place to be. A lot of mines there, and even back then it was uh, really a mining community. So Wally Floody is their ace in the hole. He's the one who knows how to build holes. So if all they needed to do was dig three tunnels with the knowledge that Wally Floody can bring, they could have done that. But there's an additional problem. They have to hide the fact that they're digging these tunnels from the German guards who, remember, have already caught a very large number of tunneling attempts before and are used to watching out for guys doing things like hauling dirt up from one of the prisoner of war huts and dumping it out on the ground. So the key is to hide this. Right. The Germans are on high alert because this is a camp where lots of people try to escape. So the big part here is organization. 600 allied prisoners in the camp are organized to help dig first off using improvised tools built from things that they managed to steal from around the camp, ranging from utensils from the kitchen all the way up to hockey sticks. 
Hockey sticks. Those must have been the Canadians. There's a sports facility which receives donations from back home. And yes, some of those are hockey sticks. I couldn't say what nation they're from. So there's the diggers. Then they're also hiding the dirt. They have multiple ingenious plans to move and hide the dirt. Some of the dirt is the same color as the dirt on the surface, and they create special bags to move it secretly so that they can spread it so that it won't be obvious that it's recent. Sometimes they're hiding it in beds and mattresses, underneath seats at the camp sports auditorium, anywhere they can hide stuff. They're hiding dirt. Yeah, David, I'm just thinking like when we were kids, we had our weeping tiles dug up around our house and that little project just to dig up around our house, there was a ton of dirt. There was like huge piles of dirt all over our lawn for the whole summer. I can't imagine where these guys would hide all the dirt from three tunnels that go hundreds of meters. And then suddenly two disasters strike, both one after another. Oh no. The first problem the Germans decide to expand the camp because America has entered the war now in full numbers and the bomber offensive is picking up speed with American pilots joining the war and therefore Stalag Luft III is to be expanded and all of the Americans currently imprisoned in the existing sections of the camp are to be moved to a new section. This is a double disaster. First, A lot of these Americans have been helping with the escape, and now they're being removed before the tunnels are finished. But more importantly, the expansion of the camp is right over top of where one of the tunnels was supposed to exit. So they lose one tunnel that way. Then, the second disaster. The Germans see some of the dirt being carelessly dropped and go searching for tunnels. Luckily, they never imagined that anybody could be ambitious enough to be digging three. So after they find one of the tunnels, they're convinced that they've solved the problem and don't go looking for the other two. But still, that's two tunnels out of the three that have just been put out of action. And to make matters worse, Wally Floody and a group of other camp inmates with knowledge of mining are removed from the camp because the Germans have realized that their expertise is so valuable to attempts to escape. Oh no, so the Germans actually find one of the tunnels and they think that's it, they think they've got them, but there's still another tunnel that's being dug. And uh, yeah, pretty clever of the Germans to figure out that the guys who are good at tunneling are not guys you want to have in your supposedly difficult to tunnel out of camp. So with just one tunnel left, David, How close are they to getting out? Well, every challenge is also an opportunity. And the opportunity here is that the tunnel that the Germans haven't discovered but have accidentally blocked by expanding the camp now becomes the new place to hide all of the dirt from the one tunnel still remaining, which means that the work on the last tunnel can suddenly move much faster. So now they've almost got a tunnel completed and they need to start to worry about how to get men outside of it and safe in order to flee to neutral Switzerland. Okay, so 
how far are they from Switzerland? Like, what is the challenge once they manage to tunnel out of this prison, if they can do that, which is not an easy task, but but you tunnel out of the prison and you're still in Germany. It's out of the frying pan into the fire. They have to cross essentially all of Germany and Austria. It's a very long distance to have to try and make in order to get out. But ultimately, there's no safer place anywhere closer. So the escapees have little choice in where they're fleeing to. So instead, they work on trying to improve the chances of anyone who gets outside of going a long distance. This means intensive lessons in German. They've got a few German-speaking inmates, and they have those inmates start teaching anyone who's going to escape how to speak German so that they'll be able to blend in. They start bribing guards in order to acquire civilian clothing, telling the guards they're bribing that they're just looking for more comfortable clothing to wear around the prisoner of war camp that they're stuck in. But secretly, they're giving it all to the guys they're planning to get out so that they'll be dressed like German civilians, not like allied prisoners of war. And they're also setting up an entire forging team with the job of forging fake IDs for all of the guys who are escaping so that hopefully, even if they're detected by the German police, they'll be able to talk their way out of any capture. It's always amazing to me, David, what human beings will do if they have time and, you know, really the willpower like these guys do in this prison camp. Like, this is a huge operation. They're forging things. They're learning German. They're finding clothes. They're, and they're digging this massive tunnel all at the same time. So one thing I'm kind of curious about, David, is you said there's like 600 guys involved in this operation to stage this escape. How are they going to pick the guys who actually get to escape? Or are they all going to get to escape? Well, the way it works is they organize priority. They know it's very unlikely that more than 100 guys will be able to get through the tunnel in a night or that they'll be able to use the same tunnel for more than one night in a row. So instead, they organize a system of priority. And the way it works is the guys who have the first priority to be in line are the guys who have the best chance, in the opinion of the escape committee, who will not be leaving, of making their way to Switzerland once they get outside the borders of the camp. The guys who speak German fluently, the guys who are really good at deception. Next up are the guys who've worked the hardest, again, in the opinion of the escape committee, again, who will not be leaving. And then after that, there's just a lottery draw for what your number will be. And everybody gets a number, and based on what number you get, that's when you get to try and go through what your position is in the trying to make it through the tunnel escape attempt. So do they actually manage to get this tunnel built, David? Because this is quite the operation. Do they get there and get everything done without the Germans finding out? So they make it. They get the final tunnel dug all the way to the tree line, to the very edge of the tree line, but to the tree line. And then on the night of March 24th, 1944, they start crawling into the tunnel from hut 104. That's the hut that they've concealed the entrance to the tunnel in. And the door is stuck. 
The door to the tunnel? The door to the tunnel. It's stuck. Frozen over. It's a surprisingly cold march in Germany in 1944. Oh no, so this was their big night to everybody escape and the door is frozen stuck. What are they going to do? Like they don't have time to go back, do they? They can't go back. They've had to sneak more guys than are supposed to be in Hut 104 into the hut in order to be able to get them through. If they tried to break out, back out of the hut and wait for another day, they'd be caught. So instead, they've got to quietly start chipping away the ice at the door so that they can break through and get into the tunnel. How much time is this going to cost them, though? They only have one night. They only have one night, and this costs them a full hour. But eventually, they do break through the door and start crawling through the tunnel, and the first, very first escapees manage to crawl all the way out of the tunnel and into the tree line, feeling terribly exposed the entire way because there's less cover than they'd hoped for at this early part of the forest and start sneaking away. And I should mention here that the tunnel is so elaborate, they've actually tapped into the camp's electricity and they have light bulbs uh, lighting up crucial parts of the tunnel to let people make it through without getting stuck. Well, that's good because I can imagine it would otherwise be very dark and claustrophobic in this tunnel. I bet it was anyways. Well, and this is the point when an allied bombing raid passes over and the camp electricity system is shut down so that no one will have lights on that could make the allied bombers see this and think that it's a target. And suddenly, the entire tunnel with troops in it goes pitch black. David, if I was in that tunnel and it went pitch black, let me tell you, I would not be staying very calm. Like that, that is major scary. Like that is freaky. And of course, it's critical that everybody stays silent at this point for fear that anything that creates noise could attract the attention of the guards. Some guys actually do get stuck in the tunnel while the lights are out and it delays the escape yet again. Oh man. But eventually the camp system, the lights come back on as the Allied bombing raid passes and the escape resumes. And one by one, more of these airmen escape into the forest and start to flee. This is crazy, David. All of these guys sneaking through this small, dark tunnel, hundreds of meters long, to get out of this prison camp. How many guys get through the tunnel? 77 prisoners escape in the sense of getting past the barbed wire and outside of the tunnel. Wow. So they figured they could get about 100 in a night. They managed to get 77. That's pretty good, David kind of pales in comparison to the 600 guys working on this escape attempt but nonetheless 77 guys managed to break out of this prison camp that's supposed to be tough to get out of it's the largest single escape of any prisoner of war camp in the second world war that's quite the accomplishment especially considering this was a tough camp so how does it go for the guys who get out afterwards, David? Because we already said this is not easy. You still are in the middle of Germany. Okay, so first, let's start with the enormous success that is achieved. Ignoring 
a bunch of important factors like the amount of troops and German police who are tied up hunting for these escapees for weeks, ignoring just the morale boost everybody in the camp gets that there was this amazing escape and the morale boost that reaches the entire world when the world finds out about this escape. So people actually find out outside of Germany. Absolutely. Three men actually make it all the way, escape two neutral countries, and then get transport back to Britain. Wow, so three guys do the almost impossible. Their names are Jens Müller, Per Bergsland, and Bram van der Stock. I'm guessing by their names that they're maybe German or had some uh, at least ability to deal in German. All three of them were European. Two of them were Norwegian and one of them was a Dutchman. But all three of them, yes, had worked in Germany or knew German from before the war and therefore had a better opportunity to escape because they could blend in, use their forged IDs to escape police checkpoints, and reach freedom. Tragically, the rest of the escapees are all rounded up. Even more tragically, Adolf Hitler himself, when he hears about this breakout, is so angry that he orders that all of those recaptured be executed. And although eventually not all of those recaptured are executed, 50 of these recaptured prisoners are indeed executed by the Gestapo in a war crime in the days and weeks following the escape. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that that is a major war crime and also just a horrible thing that 50 guys lost their lives because of this. When word gets back to Britain, and it does during the war, the British government in Parliament promises that when they win the war, as they know they will by this point, they will have a war crimes investigation and punish those responsible. And it's worth pointing out that they do eventually organize a war crimes investigation and punish many of those responsible. There's another interesting story tied on here. One specific man who was very much responsible for this atrocity was Arthur Nieb, a German senior Gestapo officer who'd also been involved in war crimes during the Holocaust. He won't be captured by the British because he's executed by the Nazis. As the war wrapped down and he realized that Germany was going to lose and he was going to be a war criminal, he actually tried to join with the German resistance and assassinate Hitler in the famous July 20th plot, and then got captured and executed by his former co-workers afterwards. Some sort of cosmic justice there, I suppose. So David, what's the end result of all this, what comes to be known as the Great Escape? Well, eventually it's going to become famous in a Hollywood movie, in popular books and novels. But even during the war, the word got out because, as I've said, three of these men did escape all the way and bring word back to Britain of 
the escape and how it had happened. And it becomes an enormous morale boost for the Allied peoples, for the families back at home, for prisoners in the camps as they begin to get the news. It helps to inspire them. It inspires more escape attempts. It ties down German troops and German police troops in Germany hunting escapees. In 1944, when those troops are needed by the German army on the Russian front fighting the Russians and eventually on the Normandy front fighting the Americans and the British who have finally re-entered the war on the ground. This is a massive event that truly earns the name that Australian author Paul Brickhill, who, as it happens, also was a prisoner at Stalag Luft III during the Great Escape, gives it the name The Great Escape. Thanks for telling us this story, Dave. I love this one and so cool that it happened 75 years ago today. What a great story. I'm always happy to share this kind of inspiring story. All right, we got a cool quiz today because I've got a great escape-themed quiz, some questions about some other escapes from history. If you want to follow along with our podcast, please follow us on social media. Our handle is at WhenArtThou. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to send us an email, ohbrotherwhenartthou at outlook.com or visit our website, ohbrother.ca. All right, David, let's do our Great Escape-themed quiz. Are you ready? Hit me. Mexican drug lord El Chapo escaped from prison in 2015 using an elaborate underground tunnel equipped with a ladder, artificial lights, air ducts, and even a makeshift motorcycle. How long was the tunnel? Hmm, I really don't know. Perhaps I'll guess 100 meters. Good guess. It was actually 1.5 kilometers long. So quite the tunnel that he had there, kind of like the guys in Stalag Luft 3 going with the tunneling route, although uh, this one was dug from the outside in, so a little bit different. It was actually 10 meters underground, so quite deep as well. All right, another prisoner of war camp escape. Over 100 Union prisoners of war escaped from the Confederate Libby prison during the American Civil War by tunneling in an area their guards were afraid to go in. Why were the Confederate guards so reluctant to enter this area? With the American Civil War being in the era that it was, perhaps I'll guess they were afraid of disease? It's a good guess. It kind of does tie in. It was actually, the area was infested with rats. This basement where they dug the tunnel was actually known as rat hell. So uh, good on the prisoners for actually going in there and dealing with the rats to dig this tunnel. A different type of escape. The great magician Harry Houdini, in perhaps his greatest escape, got out of what animal? Animal? I've never heard of this one. Perhaps I'll guess a tiger? It's actually a whale. He escaped from the belly of a whale. In 1911, some prominent businessmen challenged him to escape from a whale. He was shackled in handcuffs and leg irons that were supplied by the local police and then sewn up inside the whale's belly. 15 minutes later, he escaped. So this one, I don't know how he did it. (laughs) Three inmates escaped from the infamous Alcatraz prison in 1962. They actually dug out as well, tunneled out through concrete. 
and the sound of their digging through the concrete was concealed by the music played by what instruments during music hour? Has to be something loud but consistent. Perhaps I'll guess a trumpet? It was accordions. Apparently, they played accordions during music hour to conceal the sound of their digging. The three escaped from the island on a raft, but they were never found afterwards. Their bodies were never recovered, so no one knows whether they actually successfully escaped or they died in the attempt. Are we sure they weren't fleeing the accordions? It's quite possible. Final question for you here, David. Empress Matilda escaped from the besieged Oxford Castle in December 1142 when, according to legend, she used what winter mode of transportation to escape? Perhaps I'll guess a sleigh? It's a good guess, but it was actually ice skates. According to legend, she wrapped herself in a white cape and fled on makeshift ice skates across the ice to Wallingford Castle. So there's a clever way of escaping a little bit different (laughs) than tunneling. Thanks for playing along, David. I always enjoy it, Neil. And thanks for listening to our Great Escape episode. (laughs) 